0: Welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question, is your sleep making you tired? I'm your host, Tara Clancy. Join me each week for the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you banish counterfeit sleep and have more energy increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love. Go ahead and subscribe, and you'll get each new episode as soon as it goes live. If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. The Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, Season 1, Episode 52. Here is the episode for listeners who want to spend less and get more. This is Part 2 of our conversation with Nelson Griswold, Healthcare Benefits Visionary. If you haven't listened to part one, go ahead and download episode 51 now. In episode 51, you learn how your workplace healthcare care plan repels the top talent you've worked so hard to attract and the jaw-dropping truth behind those online physician directories. I can tell you, after hearing Nelson's Insider Insight, I will never use one again. After you listen to episode 51, come listen to this episode. We take a deep dive on how to get rid of the healthcare middleman, find out why you should never pay the first bill, when and how to use cash pay to your advantage, and how to get rid of the healthcare middleman so you pay less and get more From your healthcare plan. And along the way, we get into sleep, counterfeit sleep, and your long-term health. Let's listen in to part two of this eye-opening conversation with the man who is redefining the healthcare benefits industry, Nelson Griswold
1: you just reminded me of something that, that if we have a minute, I'd like to share. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, supply side, demand side is an economic or economic concept. Yeah. Uh, Another economic concept is time horizon. Uh So your, your time horizon is how far out from today do you look, do -hmm. you think about most people, most people, the majority of people, I believe think to the weekend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're looking to the weekend. What am I doing this weekend? How much fun? What can I do for fun? Is there a ball game? Do I have enough money for a six pack of beer this weekend? Right, do I have enough money for us to go out and get something to eat this weekend? It's mm-hmm. a it's a financial consideration, an economic consideration though. So it's what am I going to do and how am I going to pay for it and do I have the money to pay for it? As you become more affluent, your time horizon extends. So if, if you are, let's say a a parent of a newborn child and you're solid middle class, you might be thinking to college, how am I going to pay for that? This kid's college. You got 18 years. Mm. How am I going to amass enough money in 18 years to get them through four years of whatever college I want them to go to? And if it's Yale or Harvard, you hope that they are academically gifted, which they would be, and that their grades are really good so they can get in on right. scholarship. Yeah. Because yeah. you probably aren't going to raise, make that kind of money and save it in 18 years. But the point is, you're looking out 18 years. It's pretty impressive. Warren Buffett and Bill uh, Bill Bill Microsoft Gates, Bill oh, Gates. Gates. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh people like that, they're they're thinking out to their great great-grandchildren's generation so how am i going to get my money now to 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 last where they don't squander it so my great-great-great-grandchildren still have some money left Mm, Wow, to to fuel their life but they also have the time to do that Mm -hmm. but but they're doing that because their money allows them to do that well I just, so let me take that concept of time horizon because it doesn't always have to do with money, although it's an economic concept. I'm at an age where I'm starting to look 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. Am I going to still be able to be this energized and this um, active at 80? 90, mm-hmm. because uh, there I, I read a study in 1999. Fascinating was the a stud a report on a academic study by some 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 scientists on advances in healthcare and medicine on longevity in the United States. Mm-hmm. They predicted, and you'll you'll love this. We all will love this. They predicted that in 1999. Uh, a a a man who was age 50 in 1999 expect to live a fully active life fully active to age 100 really that was 20 years ago yeah so are we a little bit further along maybe maybe not but but if they're correct and by the way you see it i was just at a conference and a friend of mine came up to me, and I mean, he's bounding up, and he's, hey, let me show you something I got. And he reached, out, I just wrote a new book, and I told you about it a while back, and I did it. And here's the flyer on it, and I can't wait. Maybe we can do a project together, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably retire this year. It's probably my last year. I go, you're too young to retire. He goes, I'm 71. Hmm. You could have knocked me over with a proverbial feather. Uh uh I I would have guessed easily 10 years younger. Wow. Because he had so much energy and so, and he's so sharp. So here's my point. If I'm going to live another third, 20, 30, 40 years, how do I make sure I'm not decrepit? How do I make sure I'm not weighted down by type two diabetes? Uh, How do I make sure I still look good? I don't look my age. I, my, my skin is, I don't look my age. My hands are starting to give me away a little bit, but, but my (laughs) face does not. How do I make sure that my skin tone stays? By the way, here's a tip. Um, weights, weights, Weights. I have been told you lift weights. It forces your blood out to the, to the epidermis, to your skin, which keeps your skin, uh, uh, supple and, and, uh, and and richer thicker, not doesn't get uh-huh. thin like elderly people do. Wow. So wait. So I'm gonna st I am going to st- i got to start weight training. But but the point is from your perspective, don't you want to be healthy in 20 years? Don't you know you you hear about people having grandchildren, all of a sudden they get concerned about their health because they want to be there when their grandchildren get married and graduate from college. And so all of a sudden they're they're a little more mindful. Right. And a little more open to, and I think that is where your opportunity lies and other people who are addressing these foundational health issues is I can help you be healthy and active in 20, 30, 40 years mm-hmm. so that you're, cause you're still going to be here. Right. The problem is, are you going to be on the tennis court or are you going to be in the retirement home?
0: Right. Absolutely. Right. And I don't
1: mean, I mean, sitting in a chair, playing checkers, as opposed to interestingly, by the way, uh, the NALTA, the North American Lawn Tennis Association, the Tennis Association, um, their fastest growing age bracket is 80 plus. Really? 80 plus.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. Uh, You know, you know, I I mean that I find that whole conversation fascinating and what it makes me think of too, especially when you mentioned that the age, you know, still being productive would be almost a hundred, right. That's staggering to me. Um, But if you look at um, the, the study that was done um, I think it was by off the top of my head, I think it might've been blue cross blue shield. And they looked at the health of different Um, You know, different generations, basically. And what they showed was that the health of millennials at the time of this study, which I think was maybe 2018, the health of millennials at the age that they were at was lower than the health of Gen X people at the same age. So the the health of millennials has gone down compared to their, their Gen X components when they were say, you know, in their thirties or whatever. And it is, and fatigue is such a big problem. And certainly some people think it's related to cell phones. And I'm sure that that is a big part of it because it just keeps you active and going long before you should. But the incidence of undiagnosed sleep problems in the millennial generations and, and you know, even kids younger than that is so high, you know? And so that's where, you know, kind of goes back to this. If we really do want to be healthy we want to achieve the the things that you were just describing there, we really need to look at the sleep now, even for something like Alzheimer's disease, the connection between Alzheimer's disease and and general cognitive decline um, period, uh, are so high. they They used to think, oh, you get um, you develop Alzheimer's and then you come up with sleep problems. But the research is bearing out the opposite that you actually are showing the signs of of um, sleep problems way before the um, Alzheimer's actually you know, kind of kicks in. And so there's really like a a reverse causal kind of effect from what our understanding has been heretofore. So it really does like we, you know, and the thing is so many people will say, and I have one friend who says this all the time, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And I'm like, well, you're gonna get there a lot sooner. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's really, it's really underrecognized. So it goes back to what we were saying before about the education piece and really helping people to kind of connect the dots. And that's really what I What I do here on the podcast and in my work is try to um, to say like, you know, eye opening solutions for common problems, because so many of the problems that we're dealing with are actually really, um, you know, more symptoms. The root cause is the 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 inherent sleep problem. A high performance workforce starts with high performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today take the sleep performance assessment learn more at hypersleep.com that's h i p e r sleep.com
1: don't you think Tara, that's a big problem with modern healthcare is it is a treatment of symptoms Absolutely. not not a, a not ad- addressing the underlying foundational issues yes. That's- uh, there's a, uh, there, there's a new, there's a new trend in, in primary care called direct primary care and think, uh, concierge medicine where those, you know, the doctor, he's a small group of patients, but you pay to be in his panel is the, the professional term you pay to be one of his patients, you maybe $2,000 a year, but then you get all you can eat healthcare care. From him plus he'll make house calls often but when you see him he can spend 30 to 45 minutes with you Mm. not the five to seven minutes doctors have to spend today because if they spend any more they can't see enough patients to pay the bills Mm. well that 30 to 45 minutes gives the doctor time to to dive deeper not just Right, The doctors tell me today that the reason they, they're getting out of medicine and going to or traditional medicine and going to like direct primary care is they have five to seven minutes, which gives them enough time to do one of two things because the patient wants something. I need relief. I'm not there because I feel good. Right I'm there because I don't feel good. I either hurt or I'm sick. Make me better. Do something for me. The doctors tell me I have two options. I can write them a prescription for a drug mm-hmm. to make them feel better. It won't solve the problem, but it'll make them feel better. Or I can write them a referral to a specialist and that's it. Mm-hmm. I got five to seven minutes to decide which of those is the better solution for them. Yeah. And it's the answer is generally neither.
0: Right. 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 It
1: might be. So why don't you feel well here? Well, it might be they're not sleeping well at home. You find that out, but, but, okay. So let me give you, uh, uh, what's the, uh, the popular, uh, addictive drug that they give people to sleep ambient. Let me give you a prescription for ambient.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And so you end up with people in, in, in treatment because they're addicted to ambient that's helping them sleep. But what if the problem is bad hygiene or or other bad sleep habits right. that's keeping them from getting the sleep but you can find that out if you sit down and say tell me about your 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 day tell me about your uh, what, what happens when you get ready for bed what do you do my daughter who is 28 you know how she goes to sleep watching watching uh fraser reruns oh. on her ipad mm. isn't that giving her the that blue light that she doesn't need when she's trying to go to sleep. Right, right. Right. And so you, you, when a doctor has a chance to delve down in, which I assume you do that exactly. When you're working with a patient or a, 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 a client, that's where doctors need to be getting. You, you shouldn't have to be doing all the work for them. They should be helping you out on issues like this, because these are the foundational issues. And and frankly, other than diet diet, exercise, hydration. That was a great one to add in and sleep. Yeah. I mean, isn't that how we keep this fabulous machine that we call our body functioning at, at peak performance?
0: Yeah. Well, one more thing actually, and it's our core need breathing. We really need to consider our breathing uh, we, we develop even, uh, even the fact that we're talking right now, we are, what, what's, what's happening as we're talking, we breathe in through our mouths to maintain our flow, our conversational flow. And that's a, a maladaptive breathing pattern. You know, we, 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 we need to do it. Um, but it, it, it messes us up and anything that messes up our kind of functioning during the day, is definitely going to mess us up at night. And that's a big core of the the educational piece too, to really make sure the breathing is optimized so that the sleep has an opportunity to be optimized as well. So it it really is, like you said, really having the time to look at things in a brand new way. I mean, when's the last time you thought about your breathing, right? We don't even think about breathing unless we have a stuffy nose and we're, you know, whatever. It has to go to the back of our minds because we never get anything done otherwise, right? Right. But once it goes to the back of the mind, that's when we can get into a little bit of trouble, especially in our modern world. And so if we can step back and look at these things and really optimize them, the breathing, the sleeping, then beyond that, the hydration, the nutrition, or what I call the core four, if we look at all those things and we can get to a point of really using our bodies optimally. optimally and that really is where we see change. I, um, I want to actually ask you another question too. Um, that we, we sort of got into before. So if if um if we have people that are are now looking at their benefit plans and whatever can you give a couple of maybe just a recap or a couple of other thoughts that you might have on, on what would be the primary things to really consider as people are making decisions about what employee benefits packages they might offer or how what's the best route for them and their employees.
1: Well let me let me Maybe I can hit both groups because you've got the employers who are buying the healthcare plan, and then the employees who are buying the healthcare plan that was offered. them, but they have a choice. It's generally binary: do I want it or not? And you may get a couple of choices, uh, and and they're going to vary by cost. the The first thing I, I would I would say is. That's a question I like to ask employee health care is offered as a benefit. Now, if you think about the word benefit, mm-hmm. it is something that benefits us. It is good for us. We derive value from a benefit. When does a benefit stop being a benefit? When do we stop gaining value? from that benefit. So it's no longer a benefit. I will suggest that a, a healthcare plan where I have to pay 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, I've seen $6,000 deductibles. I've got to pay that out of pocket before the insurance company pays one penny towards my healthcare. Is leaving a lot of employees, a lot of employees, what they call Mm underinsured is the technical term out in our industry. They're underinsured. What they are is screwed. Yeah. (laughs) Because because 40% of Americans have less than $5,000 in savings for a family family of four.
0: Oh my God. Less
1: than $5,000 in savings. Yeah. I've got a $4,000 deductible. Can I pay it? Well, yes, but I'm going to wipe out my savings.
0: Right, right. What
1: what lets me sleep better at night? $5,000 in savings. It's not a lot, but if the car breaks down, I can get it fixed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You know, if the the, water heater... Goes out, I can get it fixed. There's sure. a lot I can do with five thousand dollars to take care of my family. um I'm laid off for a cup, not laid off. I'm laid up sick for for a month or two, and I don't have short-term disability insurance. Mm. How do I pay my bills? I got five thousand dollars. I can pay my yeah. bills yeah. for a couple of months. That makes me feel good. That makes right. me feel secure. I need to go get my knee replaced. It hurts badly. And it hurts my productivity at work because I'm on my feet a lot and I don't, it hurts, but I got to pay $4,000 out of pocket, which means I have to wipe out my savings, which means, you know what? I'll just put up with the knee.
0: Right. Right.
1: And I may be be taking painkillers. Maybe I get opioids and then I get, uh, then I get hooked on opioids Maybe I don't use opioids, but now I should be focused on my work and I'm half focused on the pain in my knee. Right, right. So,
0: or or even if you're just taking something like ibuprofen and you're managing it, you're going to be able to perform whatever you have to perform less well because your, your mobility is affected, whatever. You know, you also reminded me of something else that I, that I had forgotten about, but I remember a colleague one time telling me that because of the high deductive. She would save uh like she would use her insurance every other year. So she'd go a year without doing anything. And then the next year she'd go in and get all her stuff done and whatever, so that she only had to you know, deal with that deductible every other year. So So when you say underinsured, like absolutely, even if it's available, you may not want to use it because of that significant deductible, just like this woman was doing.
1: There is uh, and, and so uh, akin to deductibles on pharmaceuticals and your drugs, your your prescription drugs, uh, there are copays. Mm-hmm. And the more expensive the drug, the more your copay to where a lot of people are, Skipping days on their drugs. They're just taking one a day. So it lasts two months instead of one month. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are a lot of people who simply aren't getting their drugs Mm. because it's a choice between drugs and food, drugs and paying the rent. So I just go without my drug. The problem is that drug may be preventing you from getting worse. And as you get worse, you're going to end up in the hospital in surgery or maybe, maybe it kills you, yeah. right? There are consequences to, to these problems. Um, by the way, sometimes it's not a full knee replacement. It's, it's simply going out and cleaning out some cartilage, but you have to pay all of that. Your health plan pays zero until you pay 4,000 or 3,000, whatever your deductible is. So it might not be a total knee replacement now, yeah. but if you keep walking on that knee and using it without getting it fixed, yeah, It's going to become a total knee replacement, which means you've got to go under the knife to get your knee replaced and the employer has to pay the full total knee replacement cost as opposed to the cost of going in and cleaning out some cartilage, which is a couple of thousand dollars, not 40 or 50,000 for a total knee
0: exactly so, and then plus the the healing time from that right if you do the cleaning out through like that's probably can be done through like orthoscopic orthoscopic surgery as opposed to right. the full-blown procedure so there's a much there's much less time that your employees out yeah
1: much much less they're back they're back in a, in a day or two if if that that long uh if they are on their feet let's say they work the assembly line and they get a total knee replacement and they're not back for weeks because mm-hmm. then they have PT, which they have to leave to go do PT
0: True.
1: and on yeah. and on and on. So high deductibles, by the way, why do companies put in high deductibles? Because if the insurance company knows, by the way, 90, it's like 98% of Americans use less than $1,000 in health care every year. Really? 98%. Yes. Wow. Most Americans don't need much health care. The problem is the ones who do need a lot are are, are, are using up like 80% of the health care costs are are due to three to five percent of the employees.
0: Oh my.
1: You don't know who they are in general. Sometimes you do, but but a lot of times you don't know who they are, so you can't even intervene unless you do biometric testing and other interventions, interview interventions, interview processes to find out people's habits. But the, but my point here is the reason your employers raise your deductible is if the insurance company knows that they don't have to pay anything until you've used up $4,000 of health, of, of, of healthcare, they're going to charge the employer a lot less. Oh yeah. it's It's called cost. It's called cost shifting. Okay. So if, if, the, if the deductible, let's say, is zero, there's no deductible, just go get your health care, the insurance company is going to charge your employer a lot of money. And the employer says, I can't afford that. I want to give benefits. I want to give health care, but I can't afford that high premium. So we buy down the premium by shifting cost to the employee. Makes sense. The problem yeah. is now the employee can't afford to use your health insurance right, because right. it's too much out of pocket it's almost so like they have it in
0: name only in a way right because they can't really well, i've got
1: insurance but i can't use it so yeah. is it a benefit that's exactly. one point
0: exactly so exactly.
1: so for employers if they want to contact me i can show them i can introduce them to benefit advisors around the country who are putting in plans that have no deductible mm. and no out of pocket. Pay your premium every month. And when you need health care, the medical team will give you uh, some options of high quality doctors and, and facilities. You go there, you have no out-of-pocket cost. Zero. Amazing. So that's if if anybody is interested in that, runs a business, tell give, tell them how to contact me, and I would be happy to have a conversation with them. Absolutely. Another thing, another thing to mention for patients is. Uh, a good friend of mine, Marshall Allen, is a journalist, and he wrote a book recently entitled Never Pay the First Bill. Okay. <laughs> it's about their health care bill. Never pay the first bill because it is often wrong. Uh, it is often unnecessary. So a lot of doctors, when you, when you sign on to a, a health insurance company's network, you You agree agree to provide a discount, maybe 40%, 50, 60% discount in in order to be in their network. So they'll recommend you to their patients, to their members, and you can get business that way. Mm -hmm. A lot of doctors. So let's say it's a 40% discount. And uh, I go to the doctor and I'm in this plan. My plan provides for a 40% discount. Uh, I have a $200 bill invoice, $200 charge. And the plan, because it's because it's covered by my well visit, wellness visit, right? I'm not supposed to pay anything. But the doctor, many many doctors, will take the discounted amount, the the savings. So forty percent is eighty dollars.
0: Okay. Right?
1: They're going to bill the insurance company one hundred and twenty, and there's an eighty dollar discount. Yes. They will bill me the $80. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: Now they're violating the contract that they have with the insurance company. They're not supposed to do this, but they do it because a lot of us go, well, I didn't know. I don't think I'm supposed to have to pay that.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. It's only $80. And do I go aggravate my HR director? Who's Mm -hmm. going to say, call the doctor's office. Then I got to call the doctor's office and be kept on hold. Mm -hmm. And I got to argue with somebody screw it. I'll just pay the just $80.
0: pay it. Wow.
1: So don't pay the first bill check mm-hmm. to make sure you're supposed to pay it, that you need to pay it. Right. And oftentimes um, they will, you'll get overcharged by doctor's offices or by the hospital overcharged. And if you have somebody who can look at the codes, they're called CPT codes, but they're the procedural codes. It's how they the CPT code is, is, let's say, 108 for a, a hysterectomy, right? By the way, there have been hospital bills many times where there's a gynecological CPT for some gynecological procedure. That means for, you know, lady mm. parts.
0: Yeah, yeah. For men.
1: On a man's claim. <laughs> and here's what the hospital will say. Oh, my how did that happen? We're so sorry. Oh, we'll certainly fix that on yours. We're not going to fix it on all the others where we do it.
0: Oh, wow. They,
1: they overbill intentionally. I, I uh-huh. can, can, can approve it. Well, if they don't overbill intentionally, they are the most incompetent people on the planet because what? they overbill all the time. Right, they overcharge right. wrong codes, wrong procedures, etc. So, Marshall Allen. And in Marshall Allen's book, I would urge anybody listening, go buy a copy, never pay the first bill by Marshall Allen. It's brilliant. And he has all sorts of strategies for you, the patient to not have to pay bills that aren't appropriate, that aren't necessary.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Uh, So that's one thing. uh,
1: uh, and, And the last thing I want to say about when you go to look at your healthcare plan, Look at uh, HSA plans, which is health savings accounts.
0: Oh, yeah. They have
1: a higher deductible, but they have a savings account that you can put money in and it accrues. And if you spend that money and it gains interest, right, It's interest bearing account, when you spend it on health care, you don't pay taxes on it. And you can always pull it out and pay the taxes and use it for something else. Oh, I didn't realize you could do that. Yes, you can. There's a penalty. You pay a pen. It's like taking money out of your 401k. Okay. okay. There is a penalty, but you can take, if you need a new roof and you've got the money in there and you don't have it anywhere else, you can pull it out. You'll take a haircut on on what's in your account, but it's not terrible. It's not awful. Um, But the point is an HSA lets you, if you can just, put some money regularly in that HSA account it helps to offset that that high deductible so yeah, you don't so. have to go pull money out of your other savings you're putting a little bit aside into this HSA
0: right right and let me ask you a question about that is is um is that structurally do um would an HSA component be a typical part of a, an employee benefits program or do companies really need to you know, bring that in as a separate element?
1: It's, it's very common. Uh, it's become, uh, it, it, what it's known as is consumer-driven healthcare. The idea is if you've got this deductible and you've got money in your HSA to pay for it, you're going to be more careful about where you go get that, man, that MRI mm. because, and this, this should blow your mind, I'm going to guarantee that at the closest city, because I know you kind of live out in in, in the middle of nowhere, the closest city to you will have diagnostic testing centers. Hospitals will have them in the hospital. Then there's standalone Mm -hmm. uh, testing centers. It's just a testing center. You can go, you will find, I'll give you an actual example. A CEO uh, needed an MRI and he went, but he was in one of our plans and he was educated that you have a choice. You can go to the hospital and get the MRI, by the way, the, the most expensive diagnostic test. Where is it? Down the hall. Down the hall from the doctor. Yes, go get an MRI. You can go right down to our testing center and you will get raped, financially raped. Uh huh. The difference between the least expensive and the most expensive, by the way, they're using the same machines. Mm. Low seven hundred dollars. The high forty two hundred dollars.
0: Wow, for an MRI, a range of from seven to one hundred
1: four thousand two hundred. That's Same staggering. Same machine. Yeah, just depends on where you go. And so our plans actually provide you with a database. You just put your uh, email in. I mean your email. Your um, zip code. Uh, zip code. What kind of test do you need? Cause you'll have an order from the doctor. You type that in and it will tell you the closest centers that offer the best prices.
0: Unbelievable! And
1: here it is a commodity. It really, you're it's like, well, two doctors and they aren't necessarily the same. No, they're not. You're right. Two MRI machines from the same manufacturer, the same machine. They're both going to give you accurate MRI readings. So um, knowing to ask, uh, knowing to ask that question, um. How much is your MRI here? Yeah. Okay, let me check around. Right, and right. then you call some other centers and you can you will find a difference. That's Here's amazing. The, it's uh, like the, if you're the,
0: getting a, a job done, you know, work in your house and they say, get three prices. Well, clearly we should be doing the same thing. I mean, it sounds, Nelson,
1: from perfect. listening to oh you. Oh my gosh, that's so good. That's great. <laughs> that is so great. The last thing I want to mention it's, is if you have a deductible to pay, consider not putting it on your insurance. Now, if you don't, if you don't use your insurance, it doesn't apply to your deductible. That's true. But let's say you go to, um, you go to a doctor and you say, um, how much is this going to cost? And the doctor will say, the the office will say, well, we, we really don't know. We won't know until we bill you. Right. Stay, how much they is this car? Say. We really won't know until we bill you how much the car is. No, they know how much yeah, the car yeah, yeah. is. This is only in healthcare. <clears throat> I'm cash pay. I'm a cash pay patient. Oh. How much is it for me?
0: Oh, interesting. And
1: they know exactly how much it is for you. And it's usually 75 to 80% less than what they charge the insurance company.
0: Oh my that's and scary. it's
1: less than your deductible, mm. so you can pay four thousand, or you can say, "What's my cash price?" And they go, "Oh, it's uh eighteen hundred dollars." Yeah, I think I'll save twenty two hundred dollars and pay the eighteen.
0: Right, right, so because if you have that, that high deductible, yeah, if you have that high deductible and you just and it is that you know eighteen hundred whatever. You're still paying it out of pocket. And if that's all you need, you're not reaching the deductible anyway. But like you're saying, if you go for the cash price and it is um, less than what they've uh, agreed to, you're, you're just getting less. <laughs> you, yeah, it makes, makes total sense.
1: So as for the cash price. Never pay the first bill and consider getting an HR, a HSA plan. Uh, and again, most companies offer this. There is the higher deductible, but you have a chance if you will save money. If you won't put any money in the account, don't do it. Yeah, don't get the HSA plan because you're wasting it. You don't need that high deductible, um, and 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 just go with one of the other plans. But yeah. those are some. That's some advice for the employees or for yeah, the. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, members. it sounds
0: to me too from listening to everything. It it, it with your your company and what you do. It almost sounds like you're the you're the discerning, um, kind of uh, presence that the the person needs that the person needing the healthcare needs because you you're doing all of this work to kind of get um get to a point of beyond I don't know whatever you call it, like the, the 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 game of the healthcare industry or whatever you're really kind of making the uh, presenting information that is is uh you know has been vetted almost for lack of a better term you you know it uh it's pretty awesome actually because so many thank
1: you you, i love the way you described that Uh, we are discerning and we do know the games that are played Mm. um anyone who's ever been to las vegas or atlantic city or any casino probably knows the expression the house always wins
0: right right yeah
1: right so You, if you gamble consistently and you, you walk out of the casino saying, man, I'm a winner. You better just say I'm a winner tonight, Tonight, because you're going to go back to the casino and you're going to be a loser the next time Mm. the house always wins. That's how, if you've ever been to Las Vegas or even Atlantic city, these massive buildings, but Las Las Vegas in particular, it's a, it's like a, a, an adult disney world right they have spent fortunes why do they spend those fortunes because they're going to get it all back
0: yeah and then
1: some because the house always wins why do i bring this up because the insurance companies are a lot like the casinos Mm. they always win and so i tell employers if you want to if you want to um avoid You want, if you don't, if you as an employer don't like getting gamed like you every are every year by the insurance company, your rates go up and you go, I thought that my broker told me that we had a good claims year. We didn't have a lot of, we didn't use a lot of healthcare this year. No, that's right. You didn't. Why did our rates go up 12%? Yeah. Because the house always wins. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to get cheated in a game, you cannot win. If you're an employer change games,
0: there you go.
1: get up and walk away from the rigged game and go play at another table. Right. That's what we're doing is we're unrigging the game and showing employers how they can take control. Here's the magic, here's the magic um, business school term. We show employers how to make healthcare a controllable cost.
0: Mm.
1: And be, when, you, when you make it a controllable cost, you can start to improve the quality because you're buying better health care, higher quality health care, and you pay less for it. There's another game in town. You don't have to sit at the rigged table where you can't ever win. You can win, but you got to get up and come to our table
0: well that's why we need you though right because you have all of this insider like knowledge that that we wouldn't have not being in the industry and so by by you sharing that and and everything it helps people to be able to know that there is another game and it's a much more um much more desirable game with outcomes for the people who actually need it beautiful the,
1: the real quality outcomes the last thing i would say is these employers should call you to help their employees with their sleep and their breathing. I I, I stop breathing a lot, by the way. I'm bad at that. It's like I get working and I'm thinking. All of a sudden, I'm, what happened, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So I stop. I stop breathing. Uh, <clears throat> but but if employers really want to help their employees and reduce the demand, they need to address these underlying fundamental issues that are driving dis-ease yes. right uncomfortable people are uncomfortable when they're sick and when they're uncomfortable they're not good employees they're not productive employees they're not present employees Absolutely. they might they might be there but they're it's presenteeism exactly. right As to, but but how many aren't there because they don't feel good yes and a lot of it is preventable if you get to the root causes, and we both know sleep is one of them.
0: Yeah, my, I am. Um, yeah, total agreement there. Appreciate the uh, the note on that for sure. So Nelson, I always ask at the end of a podcast if um, I ask the person to think what they would put on a billboard, knowing all that you know, and 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 knowing that a billboard is relatively small real estate. And people drive by it, you know, quickly. What message did you put up there to help people really key in to what you know and what you know would really be helpful to them if they knew it too?
1: What a great question. I'm probably gonna steal that from you if <laughs> I'm <matter>. not. <laughs> but the answer is easy for me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Get rid of the healthcare middleman. Mm. In business terms, disintermediate the insurance company.
0: Uh-huh. Disintermediate, disintermediate just means a middleman. Uh huh. So uh-huh.
1: get rid of the get rid of the healthcare middleman. Get the insurance company out of the healthcare plan. There are advisors, benefit advisors, next gen benefits advisors around the country. Next generation. Around the country, who are helping employers make healthcare a controllable cost by getting the middleman out. Mm. So, if if the middleman's in there, they're not doing their job. They're not controlling costs. They're not ensuring quality care. Get them out. Get the insurance company out. And then my adv- the advisors I work with help the employer take control, increase the quality of care. And lower the cost, so it's sustainable, not just for the employer for the employees, and we eliminate the out of pocket for the employees. Beautiful. Boom! Yes. Tell me, it gets any better than that?
0: It doesn't. Yeah. That even win win doesn't cover how good that is.
1: <laughs> I right, thank you. Yeah. It's you at can't... least a win win
0: win. Yeah. Exactly. So and so, Nelson, how would someone connect with you? What um, what would be the best way to connect with him?
1: Uh, my email is pretty pretty simple. It's Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N at nextgenbenefits.com. Nelson at nextgenbenefits.com.
0: All right. I will definitely put that in the show notes along with the name of the book, Never Pay the First Bill, because that's an awesome piece of of information there. Well, thank you. Yeah, I thank you so much. I mean, this has been so enlightening for me to just think about um, this critical piece really uh, in such a different way. And um, I appreciate all the time, um, you know, that they and and your expertise of sharing that. And I really hope that, you know, between the two of us, we can affect some good change for a lot of people.
1: Well, we're both on that journey. And the best part of this for, in my mind, is it's been a win-win because I have learned so much from you about sleep and breathing that I just frankly didn't know. So um I, I you and I should have a, con, continue this conversation about what you're doing and how we might be able to help employers understand and, and recognize the value of what you're doing.
0: I would love that because it is, it is definitely my goal to help people live better. And, and I think just what you described would be perfect. So let's definitely do that. All Absolutely. right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Nelson.
1: Thank you, Tara. And fun.
0: A high performance workforce starts with high performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H I P E R sleep. That ends this episode of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question Is your sleep making you tired? Follow us to get the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you take your counterfeit sleep journey. And leave us a review to help other people find us. Thank you. And remember, if your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that. And get back to being you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.